Hello and welcome to the Headache Doctor podcast. I'm Dr. Taves and it's my mission to empower everyone with headaches and migraines to break free from a life of fear and dependence and thrive in everything you do. In today's podcast, we're going to talk about that fear aspect of having headaches and migraines. So when I say to break free of a life of fear and dependence, fear is referring to the fear that comes with not knowing when your next migraine is going to hit and fear that you're going to miss out on what whatever important thing life has that day to offer. And I don't care what day it is. It's not like you anyone can afford to lose a day with uh, whatever your role is within the family as a mom or a dad or if you're a an employee or a coworker, the burden that patients feel when they lose out on a day is significant. So there's that fear, but there's also this fear and anxiety, uh, not only that comes with missing a day because of migraines, but from not knowing what is happening or what is going on. And then there's there's fear or anxiety that comes from the thought that there could be Uh, a tumor or a thought that there could be uh, something wrong with the head or or the brain itself. Why are you in this pain and why can no one answer these questions? And so there's, there's anxiety that comes up and there's actually a connection to what you experience as pain when you are in that sort of fear anxiety cycle. And so what I want to address today and encourage you, the listener with headaches and migraines to do is to limit the amount of anxiety that you allow yourself to have as it relates to your headaches and migraines. Now that may seem like a very idealistic thing to ask you to do because, well, if you have headaches and migraines, it's miserable and you do get anxious and it is scary. And I understand that and I empathize with you, but I wanna talk about something a little bit different. We're gonna talk about pain science. So when I say pain science, I'm talking about how the brain realizes the pain that you experience. When I talk about that pain being subjective, as I have in the past, and how the diagnosis for headache and migraine suffers is based off of that subjective information, I want to talk about if we can use that subjective information and the fact that it is subjective to actually play into our favor and and use that as a tool to treat this debilitating, the symptoms that you experience to treat it. All right, so a few stories to start out to sort of hit home with what I'm talking about so it's easier to understand. So when I was in PT school, I had an instructor. He was a very good instructor, a very good professor, one of the better physical therapists that I knew of at the time, and he worked at the Mayo Clinic. He had the opportunity to spend some time at what they called uh, the pain rehab center. And at the pain rehab center, there are patients that come from all around the country. And I actually send people there, sent a few people there. What they do is they work with people that have debilitating pain. Now, these are patients that are maybe in a wheelchair because they they cannot walk because of a swollen limb or an, an ankle sprain that never healed. There's a story of a high school baseball player who sprained his ankle. There was the, the normal sort of response that his body had where it was swollen. And then three, four days went by and he never actually healed. What happened was his ankle continued to swell and become irritated and it was hypersensitive. You couldn't even touch his, his heel or his ankle. 
And he got to the point where not only was he having to walk on crutches, but he, he then got to the point where he was in a wheelchair. And so he had to go to this pain rehab center to actually take him through this process of getting his brain to calm down and desensitize his brain to the pain that he was experiencing. So anyway, that's the setting that my professor was working in. And he told me the story of this, uh, let's just say this boy was in middle school. He was a swimmer and he was, was paralyzed from the waist down. He could not walk. His uh, limbs would not move. But what happened was they could not find a reason for him to be paralyzed. So they did all the imaging. They, they did test after test after test and nothing was found. So this child who was a swimmer who was prior to this situation was healthy could not walk now and was wheelchair bound. His whole life was changed. His family's life was turned upside down, trying to figure out what was wrong with their son. And so going through all those tests, doing the MRI and, and understanding that there, there was nothing anatomically that was off. There was no reason for this child to be in this situation. What my professor found was that he, he was actually putting himself in this state of being a hemiplegic. So this scenario was the patient had convinced himself that he could not walk. And it wasn't as if you could talk him out of it because subconsciously his brain was suppressing his his lower limbs from moving at all. And so what happened was he would have what looked like normal movements because he, he, I guess he had some movement of his lower extremities of his legs, but he could not walk. And so it's diagnosed as um, malingering. There's a couple other diagnoses that can go along with it. But essentially, what, what is happening is the brain is almost manifesting some sort of psychological trauma or some sort of psychological manifestation as sort of a physical thing. And so in this scenario, this boy could not walk. So what my professor did, knowing that physically he could walk, now that's the crazy thing about it is this this boy was perfectly able to walk. It was it was just in his mind he couldn't. And so what my professor did was he went to the pool and he jumped in the pool right next to this kid. And this was like a you know, a therapy pool. They were just going to go through some basic stuff, but my professor said he wanted to try something with this boy. And he said, he looked at the boy and he said he knew in his mind that if he just allowed him to compete, gave him a goal where he wasn't thinking about his legs, but he just, he could distract him enough to get his legs working. And so what my professor said was he looked at this boy and he said, I'm going to race you to the other end of the pool and see if you can beat me, which was kind of this strange thing when you think of my professor challenging this boy that uh, couldn't use his legs. You think it's kind of cruel. But, so it's a little bit of a risk here. But my professor said he started to swim. So my, my professor's swimming, and he's not even really thinking about what, what the boy's doing. He's swimming to the other end of the pool, and he's swimming, swimming, and he, he's swimming hard. I mean, he's he's trying to get there, you know, relatively quickly. And he touches the other side of the pool, and he lifts his head up, and the boy had actually beaten him. 
And he stopped and he looked at the boy and he said, you just beat me to the other end of the pool and you were kicking the entire time. And it was this moment where the boy realized, oh my gosh, I can use my legs. And the realization was that his physical body was capable and it was able to do these things. Uh, but he had, in his mind, played up this scenario where he was unable to use his legs and the mind was this key element of unlocking his ability to move. Now, when it comes to headaches and migraines, for those of you out there thinking, okay, he's going to tell me it's in my head and there's nothing actually wrong, that's not what I'm saying at all. That scenario is serving a purpose in this conversation so that you, the listener, can understand how powerful the brain is. That scenario is not meant to be an example of what headache and migraine sufferers are going through because there is something that I talk about frequently in the neck that's objective that we can work on. But with any any person, any individual, there is pain that our body will experience and everyone will experience the same sort of physical trauma, tissue damage differently. What that means is that everyone can have this same neck problem. Everyone with headaches and migraines can have the same neck problem, but the pain can and the symptoms can manifest themselves differently. Now, there are some variations in sort of like what's happening. Where is the pain coming from? Is it coming from the shoulders? Is it coming from the neck? Um, is it more the, the second joint in the neck? Is it the first joint? Is it more on the left side? Is it more on the right? So those things are there and those do play into what you feel. But the brain and what you perceive as happening also plays into what you feel because when we realize pain, it is a subjective thing. And when I say subjective, meaning... There's sort of this spectrum of what the experience can feel like. So am I saying that headaches and migraines are in your head? Absolutely not. There's something objective that needs to be treated. And part of the problem with our healthcare system is that patients leave the healthcare system seeing doctors almost feeling like it's in their head because nothing's found. So we're going to set aside the treating the objective underlying problem portion of of what needs to happen, and, and that's what we've talked about in the past. And we're going to talk about the subjective, what you realize is pain, and what we can do about that. So a couple of things. If I have a patient that is dealing with headaches or migraines, and they are just an anxious personality. Now, when someone is anxious, prone to anxiety, prone to stress, worry, those types of patients tend to not do as well with treatment. Now that has nothing to do with how tight their neck is or what I'm doing physically with them and it has everything to do with what they perceive as happening and how that manifests itself as pain. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about what to do about that and really that starts with understanding that what you realize is pain, especially if you know yourself to be an anxious personality, what you realize is pain can be something that you can shut off. When I say that, I want to say, I don't want to make it oversimplified, but if you take, for example, a house that has an alarm system and that alarm system is intended to go off if there's a burglar breaking into the house. So the front door opens and a barrier is broken, the alarm system should go off. In a scenario where there are leaves blowing outside, that alarm system should not go off. And so what I'm talking about here is 
it happens with any of us that our alarm system, when it's been triggered over and over and over and over again, can get hypersensitive to the point where it goes off with just leaves blowing outside. And so it's not an appropriate pain response to that matches the tissue damage. So there's a few factors here. When patients receive x-rays, MRIs, CT scans, one of the reasons I'm against those images is because they can put or place the wrong mental picture in the patient's mind. And what I mean by that is if you receive an x-ray and the doctor or the radiologist writes on that little piece of paper or calls you up and says you have mild degenerative changes in your jaw or in your upper part of your neck or in the middle portion of your neck, then you, the patient, and I I just experienced this uh, the other day, you, the patient, might be thinking, oh my gosh, like, my body's worn down. Um, this is something that might need surgery. I have arthritis, so that just means the pain's going to be there forever. And none of those things uh, are true in 99% of the cases. So having a mild degenerative change in the spine that you see on an x-ray is actually kind of a normal thing unless you're you know, 12 years old and haven't had enough life experience to get there. So that's one example of the wrong mental picture that actually can increase the pain response or the subjective pain response because you're you're becoming hypersensitive because of that mental picture in your head you're thinking oh my gosh there's there's damage in my neck and my head hurts and, and it's because my neck is damaged and there's arthritis and the discs and oh my gosh like I have such a terrible neck that I can't move ever again and it kind of builds on itself to the point where the pain can actually increase even though the the level of damage or the the level of tissue damage hasn't changed at all the other thing that can happen and this is this is an extreme example there's a pastor out in california that i uh, listened to his teaching and he had he tells a story of his son who in college had debilitating migraines come out of nowhere and they did a CT scan and an MRI, and from what I understand, they found a tumor. And it was this this moment, maybe 24, 48 hours, where they're talking to this neurosurgeon about this tumor, and it was essentially misdiagnosed as a very progressive form of cancer. And so this pastor's thinking he's going to lose his son. And this is, I mean, this is a life-changing moment for them. To fast forward... What had happened was, I guess, I guess the tumor was benign, or it, it was not this malignant form of cancer, aggressive form of cancer that they originally thought. And it, from what I understand, it had nothing to do with the actual migraine. Now, with what I know and what I understand, my my gut tells me in that scenario, if I would have seen that patient right away, his son, uh, I could have diagnosed it as a neck problem, treated the neck. There would have been no need to receive the CT, MRI, X-ray, and that whole scenario wouldn't have happened. Uh, This was a a scarring moment. Oh my gosh, I'm going to lose my son. And that is traumatic. And and if we could avoid that, then we need to avoid that. And so what I'm saying is if it's a neck problem, we should be able to figure that out. Because if we we look at the neck, we reproduce uh, the pain, there's these restrictions, and we should be able to figure that out. We don't need to go 
down the road of these images, which can be kind of damaging in, in that mental picture that you put in your head of what's happening. All right, so that's why that's why the, the imaging can kind of be damaging and, and what you, the patient, um, might be doing to yourself of thinking, oh my gosh, no one's been able to diagnose this. What is going on with me? And, and that mental picture, every time you get a migraine, kind of ramps up the pain because you're fearful, you're anxious, you're thinking of how damaged your neck is, and I want to get away from that. So for the most part, when I'm working with someone with headaches and migraines, it is a neck problem, and there's a lot of irritation, but it's something that can be treated if we can provide the right treatment approach. So this is not something that's irreparable, um, nothing like that. So that's the first thing, is most of the time, even though the pain is so, so severe, it's, it's a treatable problem. Okay. The other thing is, if you have gone through the healthcare system and have not gotten an answer, and they've ruled all these other things out, I want you to understand that the chances of it being a neck problem are very, very high. Okay. So that debilitating pain being realized frequently, however frequently you get migraines, I don't want you to become anxious or play into that more, more than what's necessary. And what that means is if you find yourself becoming anxious or focusing or just fixating on the pain and, and the problem, the, your brain dry, giving attention to that pain signal can actually, over time, increase the number of synapses, that neuron that is carrying the signal can kind of be bolstered and thicker. And uh, there's physiological changes that happen the longer the brain is realizing the pain signal. And so one technique or trick that patient that you as the patient can try to do is uh, ignore the pain as best as possible. Tell yourself that this terrible debilitating pain may not be matching up with what it may feel much worse than the actual tissue damage that's going on in your neck. And especially if you're a person that will sort of amplify the pain or a migraine can be triggered because of that fear or anxiety of the unknown, I think it's important for that type of patient to, to just go through this process of finding the answers. I'll, I'll end with one last story. So I was talking to a patient virtually uh, across the country. I don't remember where he was. And he told me that he was having these debilitating headaches and it was scaring him. He was, he was very, very fearful. He saw doctor after doctor and he finally saw a neurologist that essentially told him it was coming from his neck and that it's a neck problem and he wasn't dying. He didn't have a tumor. It wasn't something that uh, modern medicine couldn't figure out. It was just like your, your neck is the problem. And he said that the next day he felt a hundred times better. He, he, he said the pain was essentially gone because he realized that it wasn't these awful things that he was picturing having. And because that doctor was able to give him clarity on that, gave him relief, and it really comes down to how his brain was perceiving what was happening. And so you, the listener, I want you to understand that your brain can perceive much, much more pain than there actually needs to be. And so I, I don't want you to get in the habit of giving this problem more attention than it needs. Ultimately, I want you to either reach out to me or find someone like me that can treat this sort of problem so we can, one, get rid of that objective neck problem, and two, 
if your brain has given this more attention than it needs, and, and with chronic pain, this is very common that it's become hypersensitive to it, and it's just going off with the leaves blowing outside the house, then we need to stop giving it attention and either work with a provider to, to go through that process. In worst case scenario, like I said, they have centers like at the Mayo Clinic where they go through an intensive 10-day program just desensitizing the brain and reteaching the brain what is an appropriate response. So just to summarize, I'm not talking about the rare super anxious patient, although they are more prone to this type of thing. I'm talking about everyone who has chronic pain. This is a normal process. The longer the brain is perceiving this pain, uh, the more likely you are to be hypersensitive to it. And I want you to realize that because when you realize that, you can work to shut it off and make sure that your pain response is appropriate to the amount of tissue damage that your alarm on your house is only, only going off if someone's breaking it and it's not just going off with leaves blowing outside um, because that's going to cause you to be in pain constantly, which we don't want. Again, reach out to me. Feel free to, to email if you have specific questions. Some of this stuff can be a little confusing and it's a lot easier for me as the provider uh, to take someone through this personally when I know their story. So I hope this was helpful in conceptualizing pain science and, uh, and how that can actually be playing into what you feel. Again, this is the Headache Doctor podcast. I'm Dr. Taves, and it's my mission to empower everyone with headaches and migraines to break free from a life of fear and dependence and thrive in everything you do. Thanks for listening.